You're listening to IDFS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Janak. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Episode 3 of IDFS Radio. We are just eight days away from the third annual IDFS Business Pitch Competition. We have 20 great competitors lined up to wow the panel of top-notch judges to win $10,000 in prize money. The last day to register to attend IDFS is Friday, March 25th, 2016. Register at com. Our guest today is one of the more well-known entrepreneurs and businessmen, not only in our community but across all of Virginia. Mr. Ben Davenport was recently named as one of the 50 most influential Virginians by Virginia Business Magazine. Ben has started multiple companies, including operating in the energy space, the waste management space, along with the convenience store industry, equipment sales and service, and communication services. During today's episode, you'll hear several questions from members of Team IdeaFest. Helping out during the interview are Lauren Mathena, Freddie Widener, and Zach Jones. This is going to be a good one, so let's get right to the interview. We're in the headquarters right now of First Piedmont Corporation in Chatham, Virginia with Mr. Ben Davenport. He is the owner and chairman of both Davenport Energy and First Piedmont Piedmont Corporation. He's a dedicated graduate and board member of Hargrave Military Academy and a loyal Virginia Tech alumni. And you serve the state with both the with the Department of Game and Inland Fisheries, the Virginia Early Childhood Foundation, and uh, also a former board of visitors member for a member of the board of visitors for Virginia Tech. Is that right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything that I left out? Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm on the board of uh, and past chairman of Virginia Tech Korean Medical School. I that's, know that's, that. that's something I never thought I would ever do. And, uh, <laughs> But uh, to be the chairman of a medical school board, <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. That's yeah. cool. But uh, that and uh, the uh, uh, currently I'm on the Virginia Tech Foundation, and uh, that's basically is the is the endowment of Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I, I just served as chairman. Very good. So you've got very deep roots from here all the way to Blacksburg. Now. Your dad started Davenport Energy, correct? Yeah, okay. that's right. Okay. Now, how, how old were you when he started that? Well, he came here in 1941, and I was born in 1942. Okay. So uh, uh, he, he started uh, as a, a peddler. Uh, he moved from Alta Vista to, uh, to Chatham in 1941. Quite a brave move. Uh, <laughs> it was right after the Depression, and... Uh, I can't imagine how he had the fortitude to uh, take a chance with, uh, he had a daughter, uh, his, uh, my, my sister, uh, was four years old at the time, and, uh, and he convinced my mother that they were going to come over here and go into business, and he started off uh, delivering product off the back of a pickup truck, and uh, he, uh, you'd measure it in five-gallon cans, and uh, it was quite had to be quite an experience. Uh, now, was he dealing with propane or natural gas, or what specifically was he? At that time, it was uh, kerosene and fuel oil, okay, primarily, and uh, and the propane didn't come into the business until 1981. But uh, it was uh, it was all all together uh, those two products and gasoline. Uh, 
at that time it was uh, two grades of gasoline, regular and premium. And uh, the, the products came up the James River to Richmond by barge. And, uh, um, and it, took, um, it took probably 12 hours or more to go from uh, here to Richmond to pick up uh, product and bring it back here. And, wow. uh, and it was, uh, I mean, it was quite, a, quite an undertaking to get, to get those products back here. Mm -hmm. And at that time we didn't have, I mean, he didn't have any pumps. Everything had to be done by gravity. And so uh, you had, uh, you had the, the truck would come in and would offload. It would have to be on higher ground than the tanks that, it, that the product went into. And then, and then when those trucks went into, when you, when you got the product, that had to be even lower. And so it was good that Chatham was a little hilly silly. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been pretty steeped in the oil business your, your entire have. life. I have, yeah. Check back in with us next Tuesday as we hear from the Brown family, owners of Two Witches Winery and Brewing Company. We had the chance to go behind the scenes to hear stories about opening Virginia's first combined brewery and winery. Listen to their roadblocks, victories, and their big plans for growth. If there is an entrepreneur or business expert in the community that you guys would like to hear from or learn more about, email your suggestions to ideafestdanville at gmail.com. Now, how long had you been back home and with Davenport Energy before having the idea for First Piedmont Corporation for doing the trash pickup? Well, I came back in 60, I came full time with my father in 66. So I was trying everything I could to, to, uh, to figure out how to expand the company. We were selling industrial lubricants and Goodyear had come to, uh, to Danville and I, we, were, we were selling them a lot of different industrial lubricants. And uh, we had, uh, I went over there one day and I walked into the purchasing agent's office and he said, uh, he was just having a fit. He said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, the Danville City Landfill has cut us off. And uh, he said, uh, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. I've got to move this trash. And, he's, and I said, well, hey, it's not a problem. I can handle it for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was a bold statement. and uh, But it was that kind of that entrepreneurial spirit that I had in me about uh, about being a risk taker and uh, so I came back home and I figured out I, I needed $36,000 and uh, that was like all the money in the world mm -hmm. and I went up to see the uh, bank that our company did banking with and I, I told Mr. Allen who was president about needing the money and and he proceeded to give me a lecture. He said, he said, boy, he said, you're here to run that company and you get back down the street and you forget about this. Well, I wasn't about to forget about it. <laughs> I came back down and, and uh, a friend of mine came in. He was a tobacco farmer, Pete Bryant, Clarence's father. Mm -hmm. And and I'm talking to, um, I'm talking to him and he said, uh, he said, well, hey, if you want a partner, uh, I'll go in halves with you and, uh, and, and put the money in. And so 
we go over to the First National Bank in Danville, and uh, Charles Carter walk in, and and he said, "Oh, hey, Ben, I don't know you, but I, I feel like I know you. And uh, what do you need?" And I said, "Well, Mr. Carter, uh, we need I need thirty six thousand dollars." Oh, that's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> And so anyway, I, here I've got a partner, and uh, now and and I've got, uh, but I've got the money, mm -hmm. and uh, so off we go. And uh, and at that time, uh, I, I say Mr. Bryant brought a lot to the table. He uh, he he knew. Uh, I mean, while it ended up being a bad place, we there was a rock quarry that. Uh, that he knew about that we and I said well you know the hole's already dug and so uh, <laughs> this is cool so they just fill that rock quarry up so we started putting the waste in there Goodyear and then we got corning glass and then a tobacco processor southern processing and uh, we had three customers that were that we were putting in there so, so probably pretty big customers too yeah being good yeah all the industrial waste yeah. So that was the beginning of First Piedmont, and uh, it's, it's gone through a lot of different iterations, but um, but that was the uh, beginning of it. And, and I mean, you know, I'm always ready to do something else. And you made a comment earlier about, you know, when you were back in the business with your father, about actually physically being bored and wanted to do something more. And, yeah. you know, I mean, speak a little bit to that. I mean, is, is that, that boredom helps initiate some of that entrepreneurial spirit, I think, is that... Is that how it was with you? It, it is, and, uh, and I look at other people that have been in similar positions, and uh, I, I got really lucky that I got attached with the waste management business. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's, that's, was a very good business to get into. But I look at other people that have, uh, that are working just as hard and maybe they ended up being like uh, I, I had one one guy that uh, that I that I was uh, a good friend of mine was in the petroleum business and he got into the furniture business with mm -hmm. the uh, and it was a flop uh, it never worked out and that I mean it didn't have the didn't have the opportunity there that that, uh, that of what we were doing. When I, you know, I've gone through a lot of different things. Like we did uh, one time, we uh, we sold equipment in uh, First Piedmont. We sold trash trucks and street sweepers and uh, vac vacuum trucks. Uh, and we, uh, you know, the and the, and that was a division that we had in the company, and it just never really made. The kind of money that it, it, so I mean one of the things you you need to always know is when you get out of something like we were in the convenience store business mm -hmm. and we built that to uh, to twenty six stores and uh, and we were moving into Charlotte where we were doing some mm -hmm. really big deals down there and uh, but. <clears throat> We, we looked at it and we said, well, it's not going to be that long before Kroger starts selling gasoline and Walmart and we're going to have competition that we can't deal with. Right, it was probably around the time Sheets was getting big and some of the larger yeah. larger wholesalers. Like and they were on the way down. 
So we decided we'd see if we'd find somebody that wanted it more than we did, and we did, and we did, and we got out of that. Hmm. We, one time we were in uh, the business of transporting petroleum, uh, the tractor trailer part hmm. of the operation, and we had a big fleet of trucks that uh, that we were were going all over Virginia and West Virginia hauling product, and. Uh, but we weren't making the right return uh, on the on the invested dollar, and and there was a lot of risk in what we were doing. We sold it mm -hmm. uh, and and moved on. So I I think a lot of it is you, you need to always don't get too enamored with anything you're doing. <laughs> you, it's a time for everything, and when you you need to move on when uh, when things are are not doing what you think they should do or things don't look good on the horizon. How has it been dealing with regulation? I mean, obviously it's gotten, in, there's been an increasing regulation burden over the years. Has it just been another cost of business and you just kind of keep on rolling or have there been times where it's been a true obstacle or has it never really even been some, something to worry about? Well, the uh, the obstacles are. <clears throat> I mean, I've had I've gone through some pretty serious moments uh, when we uh, we had a uh, at the old rock quarry uh, when uh, the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act, what we call RECWA, was promulgated back in the eighties. We had uh, there was a time that if you ever had disposed of any hazardous waste. By definition, and, and it was all based, you know, the, the definitions of hazardous waste were spelled out. And, and if you'd done that, then you had um, you had like uh, a period of time that, that you had to, to let the EPA know it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're going merrily along, and all at once, Goodyear tells us that uh, that they have disposed of some hazardous waste during that time that we were in the rock quarry. And uh, so we immediately went to the EPA, and the EPA then then uh, had a uh, uh, we had to do a, a complete study on it, and as, and as a result of it, we never found any of the waste that Goodyear had given us that was a problem, but corn and glass is waste, <laughs> uh, lead waste, lead and arsenic, yeah. and arsenic's in the process of making glass. That showed up. So we end up uh, making the Superfund list. And uh, I never will forget, you know, the, the guy from the EPA calling me in late Friday afternoon and telling me that, uh, that basically saying I was a criminal and that, uh, and, and that we had uh, polluted the earth and that, uh, you know, and that I could count on uh, on that I was going to uh, going to end up uh, maybe serving some time. I mean, it was, it was just a great conversation. Well, as, re <laughs> as a result of that, my at that time, my my I had my buddy that uh, had come to work with me. We'd been fraternity brothers in college, and Ed Clay. And I mean, Ed, just a phenomenal guy. He. We uh, <laughs> we thought about it, and so what did we do? We went down to Greensboro and uh, 
and, and bought two Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, if you'd like to connect with area entrepreneurs and others in person, join us on Thursday, April 31st at Two Witches Winery and Brewing Company for Idea Flow. The next day is the third annual Idea Fest Business Pitch Competition. Come explore entrepreneurship, networking with fellow entrepreneurs, and vote on your favorite two-minute business pitch. To learn more, visit www.idfsdanville.com slash 2016-schedule for more details. Define entrepreneurship. Being able to get on the train when he comes back. <laughs> so, just, so just being ready to jump when, when the time is right. Yeah, and I mean, you're either comfortable doing that or you're not. Mm-hmm. But, but I, if you're really going to be an entrepreneur, you're ready to risk it all. And uh, I mean, especially when you're young. And uh, if you're not willing to put it all on the table, uh, you're never going to be so successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when I had to sell that Corvette to to buy diesel fuel for my trucks. And uh, and it was, uh, I mean, you basically, uh, you have, you just, you, you're doing whatever you can to uh, uh, to do that. But I, you know, I think, I think back, my father had me when I, when I was growing, you know, before I even knew it, uh, we had a big garden, and he had me out on the street peddling vegetables. <laughs> so, yeah. it was, uh, uh, you know, I didn't even realize what I was learning. Right. But uh, selling and being productive was a way of life more than anything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, and, and giving you confidence to go up and knock on a door mm-hmm. and, uh, and then uh, uh, make a transaction. But to be a, an entrepreneur, you got to be highly disciplined and focused, and, uh, and you got to be able to be willing to make the sacrifice. I don't, you know, if you were to ask uh, my wife, uh, I mean, we were in it as a team, and uh, and we basically were were uh, we were we were day and night, twenty four seven, being involved in in developing the company. Mm-hmm. What's the, in your opinion, what's the single greatest asset that entrepreneurs themselves from the ones that you've met and from your own personal experience you know what's what's the single greatest asset that you hold within yourself or see in other entrepreneurs and then once they make a go at it what's that single greatest asset outside of their own decision to move forward well I think um, when you look at if people that have really been successful, uh, they realize that every day is a new day, mm-hmm. and it's and the and the play changes every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't ever rest on your laurels and just say, "Well, hey, you know, I'm just going to run this and enjoy it, and not and not uh, you're either growing or you're dying." Yeah. And uh, so I've been involved with companies that, uh, that had great entrepreneurs running them, and, uh, and they ran out of steam. Did you ever have a plan B? Did you ever, or were you kind of, uh, this is the plan, and there's 
this is what's going to work. And if it doesn't work, we'll stop and do something else. But for now, this is the plan. Did you ever have a plan B, or did you... That's kind of a weird question. But. No, it's a good question. And I, I think that I think you ought to always try to figure an alternate plan to anything you're doing. And uh, um, I think a, a number of the things that we did, uh, there wasn't a, an opportunity to. I mean, it was kind of like diving, diving off. <laughs> in the water, you either swim or you sink. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but I, you know, we going through uh, different kind of uh, organizations. I've I've been on a lot of different boards, and uh, and I'll, I'll say that I've learned a lot more from from being on the boards than they ever got out of me. I think one of the neatest things you can do is be on national boards, uh, going to waste management uh, in the uh, in different parts of the United States. Uh, we've gleaned a lot of, uh, of great uh, things from that. But but like in IT, yeah, we have a plan B. We have a fallback uh, position on that. We have a fallback a number of the integral parts now right now we've got a problem with uh, we've converted um, a number of our trucks to uh, natural gas in the uh, in the waste management business we've got uh, I think now like uh, 12 units that are running on natural gas and uh, it's dependent on the pipeline and depending on a pumping station that we have that and there's no other pumping station anywhere around. It's requiring me to keep a secondary fleet. They're used trucks, they're older trucks, but it's requiring me to have, in the event something happens, I gotta keep going. I can't call you and say, hey, I'm sorry I can't get you today because we don't have any fuel for our truck. Uh, so we have, have to have a plan B there. So things that we can have a plan B, we do. You got to be able to uh, live with risk. If you can't, if you know, if you somebody can't enjoy it, can't really uh, sleep well at night, worried about uh, about what's you know the chances that you've taken or what you've done, probably don't need to be in the business. Uh, now, part of what IDFS is all about is bolstering this idea of an entrepreneurial ecosystem. Can you talk about? the existence and the fortitude of the ecosystem in our area now and whether whether we are, I guess, providing the proper support for other entrepreneurs to blossom in this in this area. Well there's certainly a lot more uh, available now than it was when I was when I was coming around. I mean if you want to be an entrepreneur uh, there are people there to help you develop a playbook. There are people there to help flush out whether you got a good idea or not. Mm -hmm. um, I think probably the thing that I saw, that I've seen the most, like uh, at Virginia Tech where we have people that are just, have terrific ideas and they come up with, uh, with a plan and, uh, but more than anything, they don't. They, they lack an aspect of being successful. 
in, in developing some idea. It usually centers around the lack of business management. They don't know how to, uh, they don't, they get, uh, they don't know how to prepare for a rainy day. Mm -hmm. And and they tend to uh, get ahead of their headlights in the way they spend money. And, uh, and so, uh, but I think, for instance, uh, BT Knowledge Works is uh, is a they they are really good in helping, particularly these people that, that come out of the uh, university settings, uh, uh, gain some of that uh, some of that help. But you know, instinctively, you either I think probably the thing I see lacking the most is work ethic, and. Uh, more of a of a more of a of a whole thing that you know that that it's just going to happen and I'm going to uh, and I, I uh, I'm going to float through uh, making success work and it doesn't happen that way. But I think you know the launch place is uh, is good and, uh, and certainly there, there's some some capital that's available. To uh, to help startups, so I to me, uh, Danville is uh, is a great place to be able to create something. How would you, when someone asks you who you are as an entrepreneur, as a business person, how would you classify yourself um, in relation to all the different companies that you've been involved in? Or I guess, do you even is that a label that you use for yourself? Yeah. Well. You know, I I think I I give myself the greatest credit for being able to pick good people. Uh, I have really been blessed with a lot of wonderful people that run these companies, and and uh, and also I've been blessed with the fact that I don't put a rein on them. I, I basically say, do it, and and uh, and. If you you know if you fail, get up and go again. So we've been able to attract people that, especially in the leadership roles, that are uh, that that are that way. I, I told uh, I mean the problem with the family business is that uh, if it's dependent on on me making the decisions or any one person making the decisions, and then I I pass on. And you're in a heck of a quad. You're in the quagmire. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided a long time ago that I, w I was going to pick people to run these companies and um, and and let them run them. And so that it didn't really matter. I mean, I, if I if I walk out of here for six months, they're going to be running as well, if not better, than would be being here. <laughs> There've been a lot of pitfalls along the way that uh, that we didn't make it, and uh, started a company, Second Piedmont, which was uh, uh, early on was uh, a scrap metal recycling operation, and uh, had a guy that was running that. He, he was his father was the uh, the biggest uh, <coughs> broker on in on the East Coast in scrap metal, and I thought. 
that's our ticket. We got this. And so we end up, uh, I'm down there looking one day and we've got this beautiful steel plating that we picked up at Westinghouse. And I said, well, Bob, what did we pay for that? And it was like, let's just say, a dollar a pound. So the next thing I know, you know, I'm, I'm down there the next day or a few days later and he's got this, and he said, uh, customer come in and he's selling it for 90 cents a pound. I said, wait a minute, what are you doing? And he said, well, you don't understand this business. He said, what you do is, when we pick up the load down at Westinghouse, we come back and he said, you offload some of it before you weigh it in. Mm-hmm. And I said, you tell me you're stealing it? And he said, oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> don't put such an ugly label on it. <laughs> that was the end of that company that day at that moment. Yeah. It was the, um, I, said, I said, you know, I'm not going to. Uh, one thing we, we preached all through our existence is that we are honest, we're, we have the right character, and... Uh, it's like when we own the convenience stores. I never went in a convenience store that I get a soft drink I didn't pay for. It. And uh, you, you just um, you got to be very principled, and it doesn't matter how big or how small. You got to you got to stick to uh, that. You never ever compromise your standards. Well, we appreciate your time. We've gotten to hear about a deli business and an equipment business. Yeah. Oil and gas, communications, <laughs> and waste management. So that's five just off the, to me. <laughs> five, five businesses just off the top of my head. But uh, um, we really appreciate your time. This was very informative to us, and I know everybody. Like I say, once once we have some listeners, everybody's going to enjoy hearing your story as well. So oh, good, I've enjoyed it, and I hope all of you will uh, will be able to uh, have chapters in your lives that, that follow this sort of thing because it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You can't, uh, you know, it's nothing like being your own boss. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of IdeaFest Radio. Don't forget, IdeaFest has great learning opportunities even for those not interested in getting on stage. Join us at the Institute for Advanced Learning and Research in Danville, Virginia on Friday, April 1st for workshops put on by VT Knowledge Works and a panel featuring those with experience in crowdfunding. Find links for registration at www.idfsdanville.com slash pitch.